0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Tell all your friends. Get all of Smashville to sign up. That's how we grow this thing. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Oh, you're pointing at me.
1: I'm Adam Vingan, and you can follow me at Adam Vingen.
0: And where can people find
1: your work? At The Athletic. I don't take stage direction very well.
0: (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, And and again, this is all... We leave everything in. When we're done with editing, we leave it all in. uh, Because you get real, authentic, unedited versions of of myself and and Adam Bing. And lots of stuff to do on the show today. As the Preds roster looks dramatically different, it feels and appears that the National Predators are done with free agency for the, the time being. We certainly could get into what could happen as the season gets closer and or the deadline gets closer, Adam. We can get into some of that. But largely, it feels like the roster is sort of stable in the short term. We've had some trades. We've had some signings. We've had a lot of departures. The last time we talked, we already knew that Mikael Grandland, Craig Smith, Nick Bonino, were all going to be gone, Colin Blackwell... Kyle um, Turris got Kyle, bought out. Kyle Turris got bought out. You know, again, this is like a recap. If you've forgotten all the names that are gone now, Dan Hamus retired. Yannick Weber is gone. Um, we can keep going. I think uh, Steven Santini was. He was also bought out. The lost, the lost defenseman, <laughs> just bought out. So that that is all taking place. Well, there's a lot a lot of new faces on the roster in new places. We'll get to. We'll sort of introduce you to those those names and who these guys are and sort of the strategy with which David Poyle is operating here, Adam. And I think that's where we need to start with all of this. We'll get to cap space and Craig Smith's contract and all that that stuff. But we sort of have to start with the big picture philosophy that you think David Poyle was executing when he went and got Grandland and tourists and all these guys, there was a very clear push by David Poyle and the national predators to get more skilled, more offensive in under Peter Laviolette's system to create more, uh, offensive, weaponry, and firepower. It feels like that pendulum is now swung back the other direction.
1: It does, and I think what we have seen from the Predators over the past several days, and you really it goes back to what David Poyle said following the Predators' elimination from the Edmonton bubble, that he wants this team to get back to the quote-unquote Predators way, which... You know, brings predators fans back to the very early days of the franchise when they weren't particularly skilled, but they were overflowing with grit and and toughness and all of those things. Um, and I think when David Poyle said that, there were certainly some fans who uh, were a bit distressed by it. Um, and I think to your point, Braden, I, I do think the the pendulum to use your term. has swung in a different direction. Uh, I think the Predators have tried over the past several years to be a team that's heavy on skill, and it has not worked to their liking. So now it seems that perhaps the Predators are compensating or overcompensating for their abundance of skill by
0: trying to acquire more grit. I I think a large part of this conversation will be is that the right decision? Is that the right strategy? Will this lead to more success and more victory, more wins? That, that is going to be the question that we will answer in a second. But I want to, you said something about how David Poyle was clearly focused on skill. We, we can all see that, obviously, when you go acquire players like Turris and Granlin, for example. When you say it doesn't, it didn't work. What, what is, what was it about the cup team and the president's trophy team? Because those, you can't argue that those teams didn't work. Those teams were very successful, right? On the ice. One is the best team in the world at the time during the regular season. The other one played for the championship. And as Sean Henry will tell you, those are the only teams that matter, right? The two that play for the cup and the one that wins the president's trophy. And, and they were, they were there those two years. What was it about those two teams? What was there an actual blend of the grit and the finesse that led to that success or was that, does that question make sense? Like where, if it didn't work, then why did it work? You see what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, I, I, I mostly understand with (laughs) where you're going, but you think about the players that, that had a significant role in the Predators uh, uh, trip to the Stanley cup final unheralded players such as Harry Zolnerchuk and Vernon Fiddler and Cody McLeod and Freddie Goudreau, Freddie Goudreau. And to an extent, (laughs) Colton Sissons. Um, we talked about this during our last episode. We talked about the Kyle tourist trade sort of being the, the demarcation point of where things might've gone wrong. I I do feel that David Poyle certainly had put a, 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 um, he definitely had put a, a priority, made it a priority rather to acquire more highly skilled players like Mikhail Grandland, like Kyle Turris signing Matt Duchesne. No, certainly there were some of those grittier players mixed in there like Ryan Hartman or Brian Boyle or Wayne Simmons. Um, it is really hard to say, you know, some of it might just be the fact that those two teams had a chip on their shoulder uh, up until now. They haven't since then, yeah, until now, they haven't really needed to have a chip on their shoulder, perhaps. Um, but you know, perhaps the way they have been trending the trades and and moves that have been made over the past week, you know, perhaps that catches the attention of the core members of the team that are still around. It's not as significant as what we've seen in Chicago, for example, for example where Jonathan Taves sought out my colleague, Mark Lazarus, to basically complain that Chicago ownership did not give him or the other core members of the team any heads up that they were going to be rebuilding. Um, But I don't think the Predators are... I feel like when you
0: sign the contract that has a lot of zeros on it for a lot of years, you sort of know that you're doing some damage to your team's ability to sign players.
1: Right, but I mean, it's a good question that you're asking. It, it, It is hard to... Say exactly why those teams worked and these teams have And Some of it, you know, might be based on luck. You know, Pecorine played really well uh, in the postseason that year and in the Presidents Trophy season. Of course, he won the Vezina Trophy that year.
0: But not in the regular season. The year they went to the Cup, that was a roller coaster.
1: Yes, but he turned it on at yeah, the right, right time. Right. Um, well, it's e- it's easy to just you know put it on really good goaltending in and. Lucky offense and high shooting percentages and all of that stuff. I'm sure I've written that at some point over the last <laughs> couple of years, but yeah, I mean it. It, it does. It, it, you required, know what it does? I, I don't want to. I don't want to not answer your question, but I feel like it will require a lot more research mm. to really answer it correctly or so
0: or satisfact- You know, in per- a satisfactory manner. Perhaps, David Poyle. Did you lose in in the moments after losing to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley cup final, when you sat back in your office by yourself with a glass of whatever David Boyle likes to drink and I think he
1: likes wine. I'm not sure a,
0: a nice glass of Cabernet and he sits back and he looks at his team and he says, God, we were so close. We need just a little bit more firepower and that leads to the tourist trade. That's what feels like, and again, this is pure speculation on my part. But that's what feels like what happened, and I do believe, even having this conversation with you right now, Adam, that it makes me even more of a believer that the line of demarcation and the the where you can trace it all back is the Kyle Turris trade. Is that they they were close and they did it with upstart players that were no names and a and a banged up Mike Fisher and you know lost Johansson and Fiala and the whole thing and you know Subban was there, like all that stuff. And then they thought, man, we got to get a little bit better, and they risked it on Kyle Turris, who wasn't Matt Duchesne. <laughs> and that may have been the point where it sort of started to slip down the mountain, or whatever the phrase cliche you want to use. It even in our conversation, I'm I'm more convinced of that now. I think
1: I I don't. But think... you do your re- you do the research. <laughs> right. You're a good it reporter. Is, it is a good question. It is a good question, but it is clear just based on what we have seen over the past several days when, and we'll get into this a little bit more in depth, but when you think about the players that have left this organization over the past week, and you think about the players that have been acquired, it is clear that this team is probably tougher on paper, but they are clearly less talented. Yep. So say what you will about Craig Smith, Mikhail Granlund, Kyle Turris, Colin Blackwell, whomever, um, they didn't get the job done in the way that the Predators had hoped. But they are more naturally skilled than the players the Predators brought in, yeah. and I think that is something that the Predators are going to have to are going to have to manage. I mean, it was it was it, it was clearly their aim. This was David Poyle's mission. Now, was it the right one? And if the top players on this team, your Forsbergs, Johanssons, Arvidsons, etc., Duchesne, can play to their capabilities, then these moves don't necessarily resonate the same way. But if those players in don't... Ne- in a negative way. In a negative way. Yeah, right. Like, if, if if Philip Forsberg scores 40 goals, and Ryan Johansson has 70 points, right? and Victor Arvidsson has 30 goals, right. and Matt Duchesne has 60 points... Having Brad Richardson, having Nick Cousins, having Luke Cunning, they are they are they are nice depth pieces. But if all those numbers sound nice, but yes, the way. but if all of those players struggle, there's not necessarily the, those secondary options. You know, you you don't you don't have the the veteran depth proof of concept if you get what I'm saying. For example, like with Craig Smith, we know Craig Smith is a streaky player, but you know he's going to score twenty goals. We don't know if Ellie Tolvanen is going to score 20 goals. Right. We don't know if Luke Cunningham can score 20 goals.
0: We don't know
1: if Nick I Cousins think can have 10 goals. Cun- I don't goals. think
0: Luke Cunningham going to score 20 goals.
1: I think if... I think he can
0: be a valuable... We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to okay. Luke. We'll get to we'll Luke. Get there. We'll get there. I, I know we need to move on, and I want I, I do want to kind of put a bow on this conversation, which is you started this whole conversation with when he says the phrase Predators way, that some fans... It depends on how far back you go, Right. Are you going back to 2006 Predators Way, 2007 Predators Way, 2009 Predators Way, 2010 Predators Way? Or are you going back to 2016 Predators Way, 2017 Predators Way? Because they were very successful, especially the six, you know, 16-17 team was obviously goes to the cup. So it's almost like you don't want to swing too far back and go back to like 04 Predators, <laughs> you know, but you also have to acknowledge that what you tried most recently has not worked. So it's almost about what and that's does... what
1: I think this is. I think based on what they have done so far, it is an acknowledgement by the Predators that the moves they have made in recent years have not panned out, and now they're trying something different. Instead of loading up on more skill to replace the skill that's left, they're acquiring players of a different mold. And I think the Predators' hope is that the skill they still have, plus the toughness they're bringing in can fuse together and make them more successful. But that's a rather large bet that they're making in doing that.
0: If if Peter Laviolette was the head coach of the Predators still, I feel like I would be far less interested in all this maneuvering. Is that a fair statement? Because of his style of style, coaching? right.
1: Certainly... It David, has to be
0: tied to John Hines, all these maneuvers.
1: Right. I mean, John Hines is consulted on these things and john hines was given this group and now he now he has an opportunity to find players or or have an have a say in david finding players who best fit his ideology and perhaps that ideology is a little less focused
0: on natural skill so is it the right strategy adam are they going to win more games because they have acquired more grit, more toughness, and less skill?
1: <laughs> it, are they? It, it's hard to say. It, it really is. I mean, I think the Predators on paper right now, based on all of the transactions they've made, throw in a couple of young guys. You can throw in Ellie Tolbin in, You can throw in Jakob Trenin, for example. And you just have the players that they've traded for or signed in the past week throw them into the mix with the players that are left over. To me, they are a borderline playoff team as currently constructed.
0: Well, that's what they were last year. right?
1: (laughs) To me, they are a team that under normal circumstances in the last week of the season would be two points out of the second wild card spot with four games left and needing a lot of help to get into the playoffs.
0: Um, Which wasn't too far off the team that went to the cup. No, it wasn't. And this is what this is what the NHL does. It wasn't
1: far. I mean, they were in. I believe the Predators were in the second wild card spot when the post when the when the season came to an abrupt halt. Maybe the first wild card spot. Yeah, yeah. I but they were, they were, were a wild one. card team
0: in March. It, it, it is to me. This is what separates the NHL from football, and in particular the NBA for sure, and college football too. That it. it you know me. I don't believe in windows. I think you can retool and rebuild just like the Predators are doing here, and it can all work. And you can go on a run in the NHL. You can be the greatest team and tie the record for wins in a season and get boat raced out of the playoffs in the first round the way Tampa Bay did two years ago. This is the way the NHL works. So I think if you're looking for an optimistic angle to this strategy, it is that this is hockey. (laughs) Like I know that's an oversimplification of it, but this is hockey. This is the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is what it does to you. There is no rhyme or reason. There is no formula that works every time for every team, the way the NBA can just go get three superstars and turn it into a super team. And all of a sudden you're probably going to make it to the champ to the NBA finals. That's not the way the NHL works. And so I think to me, that's the, the, the positive of this is all right, you're going to get, you're going to get tougher. You're going to get, you're going to bring grit in the predator's way. Use all the cliches you want, but the other stuff didn't work. Let's try it this way with the new coach and with some new players, and with some guys, by the way, who are still pretty freaking good. Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg. I mean, there's still some talent. There's still some dudes on the roster. Let's not, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean they they have they have a a, a solid core of skilled players. Roman Yossi, of course, a Norris Trophy winner, an elite level defenseman. Ryan Ellis, not far off in terms of his overall level of talent. I, I still think that Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson have not reached their full potential. Um, and whether that is a product of their environment or they just aren't as good as we think they are, I still think they have more to give. And, and and same goes for Matt Duchesne. But there are still so many questions about this roster. And and we'll talk about this as we go through the list of new, uh, new players. But it goes back to what I was saying before this. I'm not sure where the goals are coming from. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, would what might the predators be better defensively and therefore don't need to score a ton of goals? Maybe, but then you're really getting back into the quote unquote predators way because that's how they used to win. Yeah. By being good defensively and having great two, goaltending Two one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we going to, is it, is it going to be a, I,
0: a renaissance of that? I'm not sure. I I think that is the question, and and David Poyle doesn't know the answer to this. The question is, did he overshoot? Did he swing so far back to the Predators' way that they're not skilled enough now to win enough games to make the playoffs? That's the question. That's the question that doesn't have an answer, that only time can decide and only games can decide. And so that's what we'll find out. Are they a better team? We don't know. Are they a more skilled team? No. Are they a tougher team? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Like those are the answers we have right now. And so when games start happening, then we'll start to answer some other stuff. So let's introduce these new names and these new faces to Nashville predators fans. Uh, They signed two defensemen. We'll get to those guys uh, just in just a minute. Uh, They went and acquired Luke Cunning in the trade. We talked a little bit about him with the Nick Bonino trade last week. So we'll introduce him a little bit more still an RFA or restricted free agent, not under contract yet. They went and signed Nick cousins and Brad Richardson, um, The contracts, again, Cousins, two years, 1.5 per. Richardson, a one-year, $1 million deal. Fans will know all about Brad Richardson, of course, from his time in Arizona and in the bubble. We'll get to that. Um, Is there still a giant hole on the second line, as your headline on the athletics suggests?
1: Yes. And as we look at the roster right now, we know that Matt Duchesne will center the second line. And it certainly sounds like Ellie Tolvanen will be given every opportunity to be Duchesne's sidekick on one side, but I don't know what's going to happen on the other. Um, David Poyle, I believe, thinks of Luke Cunning as a potential second-line player. Um, I I think he's a better third-line option than a second-line option. But I I think one of the appeals of trading Nick Bonino for Luke Cunning is that Bonino... Clearly, was as we discussed previously, a third line player. Yeah, the Predators feel that Cunning can also be a third line player, but could also be a top six player. Um, Hi, high draft pick, yes, you know, young still figuring his game out. Um, but you know, would Lou Cunning play on one side of Matt Duchesne? That doesn't it, inspire me right it now, it doesn't inspire me either. Um, and, and that's and that's why you know, when there were certainly a lot of uh, dots connected between the Predators and Taylor Hall, who ultimately signed an eight-year, an excuse me, eight-year, a one-year, eight million dollar contract with the Buffalo Sabres. We
0: talked about how short-term it was going to be. I didn't expect one year.
1: Well, he certainly decided to bet on himself, um, considering the landscape and the financial uncertainty uh, of the league and, and flat salary cap and and internal salary caps, things of that nature. But I would have
0: taken one year for Taylor Hall.
1: The question is, (laughs) the question is, would the Predators, what, I I do not know how far, I cannot say conclusively, how far it got with Taylor Hall, nor can I, nor do I know at the moment what the offer would have been. Um, But it sounds like Buffalo was the team that was willing to, pony up for Taylor Hall. Yep. I think teams that were making one-year uh, contract offers to Taylor Hall were offering him less, significantly less money, noticeably less money. Okay. Um, so you, know, you see a player like Tyler Toffoli sign a four-year contract with the Montreal Canadiens. I think it was a $4.25 million cap hit. You think that Mike Hoffman, who is still available as we record this, is probably somewhere in the middle between 4.25 and 8. So he's probably like a five and a half to six, six and a half million dollar player per season. But, you know, if if the Predators were to sign Mike Hoffman, hypothetically, he would absolutely solve that problem on the left side with Matt Duchesne and, and presumably Ellie Tolvanen on the right.
0: And what's your biggest question about the Predators forwards right now? Where are the goals coming from? What does Mike Hoffman do the Score best? Score goals. There you go. So so you could see that move happening? I'm not
1: sure. Um, <laughs> it seems like the Preds are done right now. <laughs> um, Elliot Freeman of Sportsnet, his excellent 31 Thoughts column came out today, and he, he mentioned in one of the notes that, um, that the, the Canadians were perhaps interested in Hoffman before they signed to Foley. And he did mention Nashville as one of the teams that might still be in the Mike Hoffman sweepstakes. Um, so if that is to, if that were to happen, then that question is—I right. don't know if it's completely answered, but it's still—you feel a lot better about where they are as a group. Yeah, adding a player like Mike Hoffman to your team,
0: no question. So you kind of alluded to Cunningham, and we can start there. He was acquired in the trade, of course, with Bonino. We talked a little bit about him and his background on the last episode, so we don't need to go in too depth too deep here. But he does feel like at least a third-line player, if not a second-line winger, maybe a third-line centerman, perhaps also could play wing on the third line. Um, who, who of Nick Cousins and Brad Richardson is playing up on the third line, and which one's playing on the fourth line?
1: Brad Richardson is going to be the fourth-line center. Okay. that That's his job. That's, that was his job with the Arizona Coyotes. It's been his job for a while. He's been in the league now for 15 years. Um, so for the last several years, he has been a fourth-line center. So that will be his job. Nick Cousins, to me, is a third-line player. He can play center. He can play wing. But I think the third line is perfect for him. As I said before, I think Luke Cunnan, uh pr- preferably is a— third line player, but it sounds like he could be a top six player based on how things shake out. Um, I think at this point, uh, trying Cunning on the second line would be better than attempting to shoehorn Callie Yarncroke onto the second line. They've done the Yarncroke in the top six experiment many times, and it really hasn't produced any significant result. Um, Colton Sissons could get a shot up there. He's played... In the top six in, in, in spot duty before. I love the work ethic on that slot in the second line. Yes. But I think Cunning to them offers the most offensive upside among the players that they have in that second line
0: spot. So, in that concept, you're going to have Matt Duchesne pivoting two guys who have, like, <laughs> who are largely unproven. Cunning and Tolvanen are your top six forwards on the other side, on the sides of Duchesne with largely no experience in Tolvanen's case and some games in Cunningham's case.
1: The, the important thing here, we're thinking about the second line and we're talking about players that can score goals. It's not just, it's, it's also about, and I think this is self-explanatory, but it's worth stating anyway. They need to find someone who's going to get the best out of Matt Duchesne. I mean, they've invested a lot in Matt Duchesne.
0: and that, that's I, Colton Sissons to me. You think so? I mean, I don't. Again, I don't know how they, how their mind meld is going to work. You know, I don't know. That's a hockey line thing that you can only worry about. But you tell me, you want, Col, like, I'm sorry if you play with Colton Sissons, you play harder. That that might be, but is Colton Sissons going to help Matt
1: Duchesne reach sixty points? I'm not sure. I mean, fair. I, I that's don't. Fair. I don't. I can't recall exactly who Matt's line mates were after he was traded two seasons ago to the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, he might have had some time with Artemi Panarin. He might have had some time with Cam <laughs> <I> Atkinson mean- <laughs> or Boone Jenner or Nick Foligno. Like,
0: do you see an Artemi Panarin on this roster? <laughs> no,
1: but those players are much better than the players we're talking about. Right, right. I, I'm not. You know, Mike Mike Hoffman who we previously were discussing played with Matt in Ottawa after Matt was traded there in the three-way deal that involved tourists. You know, their underlying numbers together weren't particularly great, but Mike Hoffman is a very skilled offensive player. You know, I'm not sure what the predators are going to get out of Matt Duchesne by plopping him in between an unproven rookie in Ellie Tolvanen and either Luke Cunnan or Colton Sissons, both of whom are best suited for bottom six roles. So you, know, you want to get the most out of all of your players, and Matt Duchesne, to me, might be, might be target number one, because if you assume, which is a, a tough thing to do, all things considered, that Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson stay together and they play like they did in the bubble in a short sample size, they, you know that they can get the best out of each other. Right. Matt Duchesne wasn't able to get the best out of anybody last year, minus Philip Forsberg for the first month of the season. Right. So, you know, the Predators need to be careful just because you don't want to have... I mean, Matt Duchesne is a depreciating asset already. I mean, he's in, he's in his late 20s. He's got six years left on this contract. He did not have a good season last year. And if there's nowhere to go, but up Adam. Right. But <laughs> if you know, is Luke Cunning or Colton Sissons and Ellie Tolbin in, I'm gonna, with you, dude. I'm with you, man. I'm with mean, you. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like you're getting the best return for your, for your,
0: you know, for your asset. There. If, if I had to guess, I would guess they split up the top line. If I had to guess that, that would be my guess. Cause like you said, you can always go back to the Johansson line since we will not call it. It's nickname on this podcast. No, um, I, you know, you can always go back to that and know that it's going to be there for you. And then it works. You can always go back to that. So, uh, I, I, my, my gut would tell me that if they're not there, if there's not another move, a Hoffman or a trade at the deadline or whatever, that they are going to go to battle. And I could see them splitting up Forsberg and moving one of moving Forsberg down and then dropping somebody up on the top line, whatever that may be. So Forsberg, Duchesne Tolvanen, that sounds pretty good. You just got to figure out who's going to play alongside Arvidsson and Johansson on the top line, or or, or vice versa. Uh, but I think Forsberg, Duchene, Tolvanen. There's a lot of skill on that line.
1: Yes, and, and that's a good and that is a an interesting idea. And perhaps, you know, Kunnan plays. I guess it might have to be Kunnan or
0: Sissons again. I mean, if I look or at or Yarnkrook, I guess, but that doesn't feel um, right. I'm I'm just you're done with I'm that. I'm kind of
1: over Kelly Yarnkrook. What?
0: I mean, I, as, as a top line player, you mean not like as a player player. Right, uh, I mostly, mostly as a top six player, but so you're you're not texting Cali Yarncrook back right now, huh? You up? <laughs> I Man. like I understood.
1: Sidebar: I understood <laughs> the reason why the Predators protected Cali Yarncrook over James Neal in the expansion draft. It was a business decision, right? But I, and, and and I and I think Cali serves a purpose. I think he's a smart player. I think he has shown an ability to be a good offensive player. but I'm not sure he does anything particularly well. like he's he's fine across the board, which is which is again, which is fine. Some players are just like that, but you there's there are certain things that players do that separate themselves from other players. To me, Kelly acok is just kind of there.
0: I, I agree, but on a team like this, I think you need some of those guys. I right, think they right have now. too many of those guys. That, maybe that's true. Maybe right got, now. Yeah. Maybe they're... Like Nick Cousins is being sold as a
1: player like that, except he's yeah. more of an agitator. Luke Cunningham is being sold as a player like that. Colton Sissons has been sold as a player like that. There are a lot of these guys. All right. So that's... Now I'm upset. <laughs> no, I mean, and <laughs> sidebar. But I just think... <laughs> I'm just at the point where... You
0: know, James it, Neal would fit pretty well on that left, <laughs> left side.
1: I, I did a story during the pause. We, did, we had this series where we did like do-overs, like what if like the team that you cover, could have a do-over on, on something. And it could be anything like a play in the game or a transaction or whatever. And I was, what would have happened if the predators protected James, Neil and of Callie, your own croak. I, I,
0: I'm with you. I don't think it would have, I still think keeping Cali was the right decision. No,
1: I, I absolutely think it was the right decision. It was the most financially prudent right. decision, but I, I'm just not thrilled by Cali Yarncroke. at this point of his career. Okay. He fair. is what he is, and he doesn't
0: get you all hot and bothered. I don't think he needs to Yarncroke. be in the top
1: six anymore. I okay. had like I put it together a depth chart the other day, and I put him on the fourth line.
0: You're I'm not, just, you're I'm not just, burning for Yarncroke right now. I
1: mean, he plays on the power play too, like. <laughs> I don't know It's He's just not my cup of tea uh, anymore
0: That's that's fair That's fair I, I like having pieces like that around To your point There might be too many of them That that might be fair uh, Nick Cousins This was in your piece by the way Named in the player poll As the fourth best trash talker In the NHL He was the
1: fourth best tra- He was the f- he was the By fourth- his peers Right So I think it was Fourth worst oh, trash fourth talker Oh fourth worst trash talker He was talker. The f- like, So the, NH- the NHLPA Every year does a player poll And So does, what does
0: worst mean in this?
1: I don't know he was the fourth worst this past season 2 years ago he was voted both the fifth best and fourth
0: worst so if you're if you're awesome at trash talking the way i would hear that
1: is that you're creative it, yes
0: that you're really really good at it you do you, your
1: research right you got you know, some funny.
0: You're funny, probably. There's yeah. some good one-liners. Maybe you've got some. You know, you dug deep for some nuggets on a player to like really scare them when they're skating with the puck, and you're sitting there going like, "Hey, you know, your mom really makes a mean ramen." And all of a sudden, you know, this right. guy's like lost his mind because, he, why does he know this about my mom? That to me is good trash talk. I don't, you know, language bad language, good language. You know, I don't care. I about think that. in the same player
1: poll, Brad Marchand was both was named both the best and worst trash talker. Like I don't thing. know what that means. Like, so, I, so
0: worse. Tra- does this mean he talks a lot of trash and it, either a can't back it up or b it's not very good or creative?
1: Yeah, maybe it's just you know the the typical hockey slang that we hear all the time. That's <laughs> stupid. Um, but you know, <laughs> I I I don't know what it means, and it's a question worth asking Nick at some point. <laughs> yes. Like, what does it mean to be a bad trash talker? right. right. Like to me, a bad trash talker. As you said, as someone who's not creative, someone who's not quick-witted, someone who— You're just
0: annoying and you're kind of a douche.
1: Exactly. Like that's And and there is some value in being a douche on the ice. There absolutely you gotta is. You've got to have some douche on every you, roster. You have to be a little douchey. But like I don't <laughs> know—I'm I, I, very curious as to what makes someone both good and bad at trash-talking.
0: Well, I, I mean Brad Marchand, like not only can he back it up with the skill on but the he'll, ice, He'll lick you. Like but all, that's probably, but he's also disgusting. Like right? that's why
1: he's the worst, because he'll like lick your face and that's <laughs> disgusting. But like And he's dirty, you know, whatever. I mean, like you go back and you you know, you watch the sometimes they'll mic up, you know, the NHL will mic up players and it was better during the HBO twenty four seven shows because they didn't filter it. And a lot of it was just like F right, you, F you, you stupid motherfucker. You know, yeah, like stuff yeah. like that, like
0: that to me is not, creative. that's bad trash talking. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like I, like, I think good trash talking should also make your opponent laugh a little bit. Like be cre- like, it should, it should hurt their feelings, but it should also, you know, afterwards, make, like huh, that's make, pretty good. Make you think that's pretty good. Yeah.
0: And there has to be a respect level. Like you have to appreciate when someone brings it strong like that and you're like, okay, I get that. That's a pretty good, that's, Ooh, that's a good pull by you. Because that might throw you off your game more than just a couple of F-bombs. Like, that's not going to, you know... I always thought, you know, I grew up playing football and hockey and football. The guy who just talked all the time and just cussed you out, it, it just was annoying. It didn't actually get under your skin. It, it just was annoying. In fact, I probably played harder against those guys. <laughs> like, the ones that were, like, the nice guys were always the ones that threw me off. <laughs> like, I'd always be like, wait a second. Ben Koger. Why is Ben Koger, you know, telling me good job? That's a reference you don't get. But, but like,
1: I, I like... I like watching Hard Knocks, even if it's not a team. I didn't watch it this year because you know nobody watched it this year, according to the ratings. I, I but, did, but I watch. I think I watched the first episode. But I, I like watching Hard Knocks, and you'll hear the trash talk among teams in the preseason, but you'll also hear trash talk among teammates in training camp, and a lot of it is the same. Like you know, go find somebody who can guard me. Why don't, you know talking to the right, GM? Right. Why don't you draft someone who can actually guard me? You know, something like that. Like, eh. You know, like I watched, I watched the last dance just like everybody. I don't think Michael Jordan was a
0: great trash talker. He just, he, he bullied people. He, he well, and he, he, I think you're right. He just knew he could just take your soul whenever he exactly. wanted
1: to. Like I want to hear, I want to hear some trash talk that I want to hear something that makes me laugh. Yes. Like it pisses me off, but it also makes me laugh. So that is a question worth asking Nick Cousins at some point.
0: You've got your next assignment. What
1: makes someone the best and worst trash talk? <laughs>
0: 27 years old, five foot 11, 183 pounds. Um, like you said, probably earmarked for the third line, center or wing. We've talked about Cunnin a little bit. Do you, have, do you want to add anything to Cunnin? Just that he's got got some upside. Um, the metrics are not huge fans. But, I think but I
1: think Cunnin is cut from the same cloth as Craig Smith in the sense that he's just a volume shooter and he does a decent job of getting to the slot and scoring from the high percentage areas. Though the numbers say he could do a better job of that. And if he can limit the amount of low percentage shots that he takes, perhaps 20 goals is within reach. Um, He did, he had 15 goals last year and I think 12 came from the slot, which is where you want to shoot the puck from. So if he can limit the, Perimeter shots and shoot more from the slot. He should score more often, which could mean twenty goals
0: and almost a half a point per game production last year at twenty-two years old for the Minnesota Wild. So there is plenty of upside and potential with with uh, Cunning for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Richardson, thirty-five years old, as you mentioned, fourth line center kind of is what he is at this point. Right,
1: he's your typical fourth line center. He's going to start a lot of his shifts in the defensive zone. He's going to take important faceoffs. He's going to play on the penalty kill. Outside of eliminating the predators from the bubble, he doesn't score very much. Um, I think he had, <laughs> I think he had like six goals last year or five goals. Um, you know, he's played more than eight hundred games. I think he has a hundred something career goals, like hundred five career goals. So you're not getting getting goal, you're not getting goals out of Brad Richardson. Right. But he does all of the things a typical fourth line center does. He blocks shots. He checks people. He takes important draws. He plays on the penalty kill. He is what he is.
0: There you go. So Luke Cunningham, uh, still not under contract technically. $1.5 per year for Cousins. $1 million for Richardson just this season. And, of course, before we move on to the defense pairing, which I do find actually very interesting just from a personality standpoint, but Austin Watson off of the team, yes. they require a fourth round draft pick for him. A bit of a surprise. Well, kind of a surprise. I was a little surprised. Now, the one point five million dollar contract was clearly shipped to then sign Nick Cousins. I think that those those they moves were announced. Basically
1: replaced. Yeah, they basically replaced Nick Cousins, Austin Watson with Nick Cousins. They had the same cap hit, but Austin is signed for one year longer. So they have the so so basically they just replace Watson's cap hit with Cousins, but one less year of responsibility.
0: So there's a lot of different ways to talk about Austin Watson. Obviously he has his his own off the ice history and certainly you root for people to get healthier in life. I think we all can acknowledge that, but you also don't get a free pass for your behavior. And I don't really fault any Preds fan for saying, you know, glad we're not dealing with Austin Watson anymore. I, I, you know what I mean? I I hate that for people that are going through personal stuff, but some of that you bring on yourself. And so I, I don't, I sort of allow Preds fans to decide what they want to do on their own. Um, I have my own personal opinions. I, I allow fans to decide on their own whether or not they they do or don't like Austin Watson on the team. I think that he brought something to this team that they did not have in a lot of players the last couple of years. As we were talking about finesse, he brought something different to this team on the ice. Unfortunately, that came with a lot of baggage off the ice, and that just is what it is. You root for again, you root for people to be healthy. I, I understand Preds fans who are saying, you know what, I, I, I'm I wish you the best of luck, Austin, but I'm glad you're doing it somewhere else.
1: It is a complicated conversation, absolutely. As, as human beings are, I mean, I remember, I remember waking up in Las Vegas the day of the NHL awards to the news that Austin had been arrested. It happened on the news broke that he was arrested on the same day that Pekareny won the Vezina <laughs> Trophy. So that was a very busy day Hmm. um, in Las Vegas. But, you know, Austin, you know, what Austin, you know, what we know what the we know what the police report said happened. Um, We know that Austin was suspended uh, by the NHL twice that season, once for the initial transgression. And then then he was uh, added to the substance abuse program. And missed significant time after that. I mean, he has certainly battled some demons. Um, I know that's a really bad cliche, uh, but it's all I could come up with right now. Well,
0: um, uh, again, man, people are complicated. Like, yes,
1: he. You know, Austin. Here, here's yeah, Austin is certainly a complicated person, and I think it's what's interesting. Like, how
0: about this? I want people to overcome their demons. I don't always have to want to root for them on my favorite team.
1: I, that's and that's totally understandable. Look, the the sentiment from Predators fans on social media when that news broke was largely celebratory. Predators fans were happy for the most part to be rid of Austin Watson. Some of it because of what happened off the ice. Some of it just was because he he wasn't an effective player. You know, Austin Watson was billed as a as a strong defensive player. All of his metrics would say otherwise. Yeah, he and scored more than you probably. He thought did. He would. Pro- he, I mean, he did score probably more than he he should have at the NHL level, and he played uh, he played a big part in some of the success that the Predators have had over the years. Um, but you know, it, it is it is a difficult conversation to have, and and I'm I'm treading carefully in how I talk about him just because yeah. I don't want to be painted. As a Austin Watson apologist. But I, I, of course. I don't
0: think anyone can apologize for what's in the police report. Right.
1: I, I, I disagree with, you know, I mean, like, I, I, you know, Austin, I disagree with how Austin, you know, comported himself that day. Um, you know, that does not change. But on a more personal level, he was one of my favorite players to deal with in that dressing room. He, you know, he was a straight shooter. He was willing to BS with you. He, you know, he wasn't afraid to to rib you a little bit. Um, but I think at his core, he is a good person who has had a lot of uh, interest. I don't know if "interesting" is the right word. Has had a has had a has had some transgressions in his life, and I hope that he continues to work on those. And uh, you know, and uh, you know he seems his family seems happy. I'm not going to speak about the intricacies of their family dynamic because I have no idea,
0: and nor is it anyone else's business right. Really.
1: but uh, I just think that you know, I think yeah I, it's it's really it's it's really hard to say and, and and this is a conversation honestly like around the time that he was arrested that i I largely avoided having in public just because oh did you? yes. That must have been nice for you. (laughs) Just because it was, to me, it felt like a no-win situation to have that conversation.
0: I'm I'm not kidding, Adam. It is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do on radio. Yeah. It is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I will say this. The the Preds have many opinions. They will let us know about all of their opinions as often as they feel. The National Predators never said one word to me about anything I ever said about Austin Watson. And I will tell you that I personally And again, nobody cares about my feelings. I personally, but I I felt like I had an obligation to predators fans who were listening to me on that morning show. Talk about Nashville Predators hockey in a way like I, I, I hold that responsibility very to be very important, and just like I do with this show, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because every ounce of my being is saying that this guy, if this is all true, X, Y, and Z, you know there are no excuses for this. I don't want this as a part of my team. And and then you start to learn more about the human side of things and you want to start rooting for someone to overcome these things and to get out of people's family business. And it was very hard to go on the air and say what I had to say about that particular player at that particular time. And I still kind of feel the same way, which is national predators fans have a right to feel however they want to feel. If you are happy that Austin Watson is gone and no longer on your team, I am okay with that. If you wanted to see Austin Watson get help, I think that's an appropriate and mature way to handle it. But I also don't, I don't have any problem with people saying, I don't want that crap around my roster anymore, even if it is stuff that's that people deal with in life, in, in, in reality, all over the place. So I, I don't know. It's still hard to talk about right now. I mean,
1: rightly or wrongly, the Predators have... I mean, first of all, well, let's start... Let's go back a little bit more. The Predators have shown in the past to be willing to take on players with troubled pasts. You know, you could, the the two that come to mind. Oh I,
0: yeah. This guy, I have no, this guy, I don't like even worse. <laughs>
1: Mike Ribeiro. Yes. Yes. Get, get that guy out of here. <laughs> I mean, like they have been willing to take on players yeah, yeah. with troubled pasts, but
0: he's a really good passer, Adam.
1: <laughs> he had, a, he had a couple <laughs> good seasons with the predators, but the, the, the point being is rightly or wrongly. I think, and, and I don't want to I'm trying not to relitigate this cuz it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, we got to move on. I know. But this is the last thing I'll say. I think the predators as an organization from a public relations standpoint handled that situation incorrectly. Yeah. If you remember the the first day of training camp after, you know, that summer, David Poyle and Sean Henry and and Roman Yosi had a written statement, all of the players gathered in the back of the room. They did not, you know, Austin, uh, excuse me, David and Sean, I believe, took questions on Austin, but Roman read the statement on behalf of the players, and then they were like, this is the player's statement, they're not going to answer any more questions about it. You know, Austin wasn't made available until right before he returned, which was in Arizona, and even then, he didn't really say much Um I think the bet like, and, and this is me coming, this is coming. The, from- you know what
0: the NFL would have done? The NFL would have put Austin Watson on a podium and said, you're an adult. Right. And, and I, I don't th- think that's a, maybe that's a Predators thing. I think it's an NHL thing.
1: I, I, perhaps, but if Austin Watson would have been made available that first day to answer questions and it was clear that this is the only time that Austin will field questions on this manner, right. get it in now, then the story sort of dies. Yep but it was prolonged by the fact that he wasn't talking about it, which was, I mean, I, you know, I can't say whose decision that was, but all in all to, to wrap this up, I personally, as just as a, as a a figure in the dressing room, I will miss Austin Watson. And I hope that he continue he and his family continue to find happiness. And I hope that Ottawa treats him well. That's all I'll say.
0: I think that is a nice way to wrap up a very difficult, very hard conversation. Um, All right. So, now I don't even know where we were going to go. Uh, oh, we've got Defense. to talk. We've got to talk about the defensemen here. Matt Benning and Mark Borovietzki. That's right. Am I saying that right? Borovietzki. Yes. Quite Polish. Borovietzki. Two years, two million dollars for Borovietzki. Benning, of course, two years, one million dollar each. And I would assume that we are looking at the next third line pairing for the Nashville Predators. Is there any reason to assume that this is not the pairing?
1: Not to me. You, not- you
0: talked about Tenordi and Carrier last week. Yeah,
1: they are now the seventh and eighth defenseman on the roster, in my opinion but Borwiecki and Benning should be your third pair. borvietsky on the left as a left-hander, Benning on the right as the right-handed defenseman. Um, both, that's, that's what I was saying. Yes, they both are, clearly... are willing to, you know, both have, you know, the ability to play a defensive-minded role, which is typically what third pairs do. borvietsky you know, has made a career of absorbing and doling out punishment in terms of using his body to, Disrupt opponents, blocking shots, and, of course, as we were previously discussing before the show, thwarting attempted robberies on the street in Vancouver, um, which he did last
0: season. (laughs) I think Um, you need to repeat that. He thwarted an attempted robbery. He thwarted an attempted robbery. Um, it It was a civilian's arrest that didn't really end in an arrest.
1: Right. But you want to question his toughness. He tro- he stopped someone from breaking into a car. Um, with his bare hands. With his bare hands. I think he said he was I think he said he was shopping cuz you know Yeah, he was carrying baby clothes. Yeah, his bear- yeah. He's, he you know he has a young son, I believe. So he was he was like going yeah. baby shopping during his off time on the road and like dropped his things to stop this person from breaking into a stranger's car.
0: Is it is it weird that I thought Vancouver, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that the, the that carjacking the, is a problem in Vancouver. Yes,
0: that was the, like you told me like there's a lot of cities in America. I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. But Vancouver felt having uh, having been to the area, it just struck me as it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah, it is.
1: Uh, I'm not sure uh, a lot
0: of carjackings.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what the what the crime rate is in Greater Vancouver. So
0: these guys are better than Tenorti and Carrier. Yes. Uh, how 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 much better are they? And how much better is the, the l- defense? Court? I
1: will go out on the limb and say that. If Borvietsky and Benning are the Predators' third pair on opening night, whenever opening night is, and the other two pairs stay the same, the Predators' defense is deeper than it's been since 2015 when Seth Jones was a third-pairing defenseman for this quarter.
0: Wow. That's pretty uh, bold. I, I think That's pretty hot takey right there.
1: Perhaps, but consider the third-pairing defenseman they've had over the past four years. Yeah. Matt, Irwin, Yannick Matt Irwin, Weber. Don't talk about Matt Dan Ham-Hughes. You want to talk
0: about one of my favorite players, Who? Matt Irwin? Not he's on the ice, Merwin. I, I that dude. I've done so many Smashville lives with him. He's a he's a wonderful. He person. is an awesome talker, great storyteller, funny personality. You talk about guys that you liked in the locker room more than you liked on the ice. Matt Irwin is at the one of the top guys on my list. <laughs> at some point last season, I, like I walked
1: into guy. when some point some point last season I walked into the dressing room at Centennial and he came in and he was taking off his gear he's like hey adam i saw you at whole foods the other day like apparently i was walking out of whole foods with my wife as he was pulling out of the of the garage this is the green hills whole foods and he was like so what'd you get and the- we, we were talking about he wanted to know what i ended up getting at whole foods
0: <laughs> so that's the that's the weirdest thing for a hockey player to want to know like yeah. why did the why did you what did you get at whole foods there buddy yeah i mean i, I got some I, gluten-free crackers man i don't remember which- i think it was
1: around <laughs> valentine's day so uh, perhaps I was getting something for dinner. I don't ah, remember. There you go. I think he said he was picking up flowers for his wife for Valentine's Day. <laughs> but like, saw me like the the, the yeah. day before, and yeah. then was like made a point to be like, so I saw you at Whole Foods the other day.
0: And you're suggesting that uh, Mark and Matt are better than uh, Mr. Irwin. Yes. at playing the defense. To be fair, a lot of people are better at playing defense yeah. than matter what. Okay. Uh, Borough Cop is that? Am I saying that correctly? It is Borocop, Burrow Cop. Yes. Boro so Cop because it is Borovietzky. So Boro Cop. Uh, even though nickname. even though people here in Nashville and Murfreesboro are going to see that and read it as borough, how do you think cop.
1: this is this this is, goes back to your previous life as a as a um, as a radio host mm. um, locally one of my favorite things about living here is here like I I mean I love I you know I really enjoy interacting with Predators fans I also like listening to people with thick southern accents talk saying predator like. Like yeah, hockey yeah, yeah. players' names.
0: What was the... Was it the Carolina Hurricanes and a Northeastern team where they had... Was it Boston where the, they had, like, one of the guys from Carolina to come on the Boston radio station to talk about hockey and yes. they hung up on him because had, he had a they southern had, accent?
1: They, Chip Alexander, who covers the Hurricanes and has for a very long time for the Raleigh News and Observer, went on... Whatever was it, W.E.E.I., yeah, whatever yeah. major Boston sports radio channel there is because the Bruins were playing the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference. Final. That's right. And they hung up on him and made fun of him because it's like I can't take him seriously talking about hockey with that thick accent, which was very rude. of
0: all people. Boston people. Yeah, really? Right. Like you know, you guys know how to talk. Me, you guys know how to talk up there. You come on, give me a break with that. Well, like, I'm very interested to hear how predators fans
1: might attempt to pronounce borvietsky which I'm still pra- I'm practicing myself.
0: I've had to. I've had to. Yeah, I, I, I say Borvietski. I write it. Here's how I've written it: B O H R V A Y E V S K I. Borvietski. Yes. But I also speak for a living, so I, I've you and I practice this stuff. Yes. But I'm with you. It's I, I think it's fun when fans do it, and especially in the, the upper deck and they're up there yelling and you hear them yelling a particular name it can be quite entertaining i don't think you should be judging people on that no i don't think you are i'm not
1: judging at all i i, I it warms my heart yeah exactly because it's like hearing a, like a, hearing a, a southern person Say a a Polish last name or a Swedish last name or a Finnish last name. It's the
0: juxtaposition that yes. makes it interesting. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So all right. Um, so they're better on defense than they have been in quite some time. That yes. is a positive sign. Yes. They're pretty good in net. So that's a po- That we know that. Um, they're not as talented up front. Now we're looking sort of at the entire picture here of the roster. It, ge- it leaves them about twelve point nine million dollars in salary cap, roughly thirteen million dollars to spend. It does not feel like there is a big ticket item you've mentioned Hoffman a thousand times on this show already you know outside of him it feels like the next big play if there is one should there be one maybe there shouldn't is probably just around the deadline or pre-deadline early stages of the deadline whatever you want to call that time frame that's probably the next time we see something with all this money and they're, what, seventh in the NHL in salary cap space? and the teams, Something like that. And the six teams ahead of them are not good hockey teams.
1: No. Uh, you, you've seen those bad hockey teams, some of the teams in front of them, like the New Jersey Devils and the Detroit Red Wings, as we like to say, weaponizing their cap space. Who and came up with that? I don't know. But the Predators are break. in a position right now where if they wanted to, they could do the same thing. I'm not sure that's exactly what they want to do, but – You know, the Predators are leaving them open for, for example, if a team needs to get rid of a bad contract, they could take it on and get a sweetener, a a high draft pick, a good prospect. I mean, I think they might, maybe they're leaving themselves open for that. That might be interesting. Um, How
0: how much of that needs to be earmarked for future contracts? Any amount of it?
1: Well, uh, you know, next, next, I'm trying to think of who's coming up. I think the major...
0: I think it's two years for Eckholm and Forsberg. Well, right?
1: this is the last season of UC Soros, Lucy Soros' current contract. And that's fairly um, affordable right now. So, I you know, he's, he, you know, Brad Richardson, who was a you know one year contract, will be up after this season. You know, Nick Benina was going to be up after this season, but now he's not. Like, I think UC Soros is the main player who will need a new contract. Maybe Dante Fabro. Um, you you're pulling up the uh the yep, give me s- a second here. the salary cap vamp 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 <laughs> come on use words
0: vamp. use words so uh Forsberg's got two more years left on his deal Cali Yankark two more years left on his deal we've already talked about Cousins uh Grimaldi's got two more years left on his deal as does uh, the two new defensemen in Mattias Ekholm none of that stuff is is coming up this year it's it's Richardson Tenorti, um you know Pekka's deal uh, we sh- how do we miss that <laughs> True. Pecarina could be bringing five million dollars yes. off, so off the so cap. So next
1: season, the only so UC would take over some of that money, though. right? Next season, the only unrestricted free agent among the forwards currently is Brad Richardson. Jared tenorty will also be an unrestricted free agent. Dante Fabro will his entry level contract will be expiring. Pekarek will be an unrestricted free agent, and. Saros will be a restricted free agent. It's two years from now in 2022. A lot of names. When there are a lot of names, um, but a lot of stuff is coming right. off the books too, right. and
0: there'll be an expansion selection in there somewhere yes. too.
1: Philip Forsberg is due in two years. Yeah, I already said um, all this. And Home Yeah, I already said those all. are the ma- I know. Yeah. I'm just I'm just going over it. I'm just going <laughs> over your work. But next next summer, they uh, they I, definitely don't uh, have a ton to do.
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't think it has to. I don't think it's a factor. Long-winded answers. I don't think it matters the future contracts because Pekka's coming off at five million, right? And so you've got some of that to play with to give to UC, and then
1: you know Connor Ingram's already under contract, right? So. Like a, you know Fabro's
0: deal, I assume goes up in a big oh, way. He's absolutely. he's a, he's at nine and a quarter. I don't know if he's in the three million range.
1: Depends on how he plays the season,
0: how good he is. But that that's that's probably but if you least...
1: expect him to be the future of the top four, right? As the youngest member, then you're going to have to give him some money.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis are signed for a thousand years. So, yeah,
1: they'll be here forever. Yep. Don't have to. If you want to
0: buy a jersey, 59 and four is the way to go.
1: Well, that's the question. And I was thinking about this yesterday. So, the Buffalo Sabres announced that Taylor Hall is going to wear number four for the Sabres. If you're a Sabres fan, no. Do you buy a Taylor no. Hall
0: jersey? No. So, I thought. It's a of...
1: novel. I mean, at some point, it's a novelty item, right?
0: I, I, so I bought a, I bought a, as a bar mitzvah gift, I think that's right, right? It's a little boy, so it's a bar mitzvah, right? Were you 13? You're, you're the official uh, uh, correspondent on this subject, yes. on, on the program. As
1: a bar, I, I was bar mitzvah when I was 13.
0: Right, so I bought a bar mitzvah gift for a friend's son, a couple years ago, authentic when they revamped the uniforms with Adidas, Yes a PK Subban jersey, because he loves PK Subban. Yes. I wasn't going to ask questions, but I looked at his dad, who's a really close friend of mine, and I said... You sure you want PK? <laughs> and he wants PK. So I bought him PK because that's what, you know, like that's the, that's what a good friend does for a, a 13-year-old coming of age. You, you want a jersey of another man. That's fine. If I was going to buy a jersey of a player and I do not buy jerseys, I don't like jerseys, I don't wear jerseys, I'm anti-jersey as an adult male. I don't think I don't think a woman has ever looked at a grown man wearing an, a, a jersey of a sports athlete and said, I want to talk to him. Don't think it's ever happened. I would buy Ryan Ellis. I think it's... Number it's, one, I like him as a player because I just like his style. But yes. he's going to be here a long time. Yes. It's a single-digit number. I think they look better. Yes. I would buy Ryan, Ryan Ellis.
1: Like, it's, it's so... When Ellie Tolvenin debuted, he wore number 11. And he wore it for... You know, he only played a couple of games. And then they traded for Brian Boyle. And Brian Boyle wore number 11. Now, Ellie Tolvanen wears number 28. Now, you could easily... I'm <laughs> well, sure Victor Arvidson fans. How right, about all the kids I'm, I'm that sure, bought 38s? I'm sure you could... He, 28, not 38. 28. So, if... Arvidsson? If, no, Arvidsson wears 38. He was, no, Arvidson wore 38, then yes, he switched that's to 30. What, that's what I was okay, telling Arvids, you. Sorry. All the kids that bought 38 jerseys uh, okay, I thought you were are now talking about shit out of luck. I thought you were aware. I thought I was talking about Tolvanen for a second. <laughs> sorry. Yes, he wore 38, then Colin Wilson got traded, then he went to 38. Um, I'm sure the Predators Pro Shop Will you know take jerseys and and put the right numbers on them, but or the nameplate or the nameplate. <laughs> but you know certainly, it's 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 a, it's an interesting conversation to have among people who do enjoy wearing jerseys as a kid. I loved wearing jerseys. I, I did too. I did too. Um, but like it. you want to, you definitely want to get return on your investment. So you know that's why you want Roman Yosi or Ryan Ellis. Yosi makes the most sense. Or Pacarine But
0: I also liked being counterculture because I didn't want the star. I didn't want to wear Roman Yossi's jersey. So you know who I would actually, you know, who would be near the top of my list if I was like a 12-year-old kid right now buying Mm -hmm. a jersey would be Colton Sissons. I love his game. I love watching him play. I love his whole vibe. Ten's a nice number to have. Like, I just, he's one of those guys that, now, hopefully he's on the team for longer than a couple more years. My,
1: My favorite Predators jersey sighting, a couple of years ago I was I was going to the game. I was walking downtown and in front of me I swear to god was a gentleman wearing a Petter Granberg jersey.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you remember Peter yes. Granberg,
1: but he was a depth defenseman a couple of years ago, wore number 8 and That's right. And I remember seeing it and I just thought to myself, I really hope That that person is A, a blood relative of Petter Granberg, (laughs) or B, you know, that is a game worn sweater that he was given. Because if he went out and paid good money for a Peter Granberg sweater, you're out of your mind.
0: Would you get one that just says Gunner Wolf on the back?
1: I I think they need to make an exception for Gunner Wolf Fontaine and allow him to have (laughs) his full name, Gunner Wolf Fontaine,
0: on the back. (laughs) Maybe like maybe like the NBA, one above the letters or the numbers and one below. All right, one more jersey related right, thing because I'm on my soapbox. Bring it, bring it on, I, man. I, so a... you 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 disagree with me in my jersey stance? Is what you're saying? No,
1: I think I think at this point. I, I mean, I'm 31 years old. I wouldn't wear a jersey.
0: Well, and you cover the team on the beat though, right? Too.
1: But like, I have. I still root would you
0: them. wear a Christian Leitner jersey right now?
1: Yes, because it's throwback. But no man, would you would... wear
0: a John Shire jersey? I
1: don't know if those in exist. public. Most men don't look good in tank tops. That's the problem. Like newsflash. I most, most men don't look like, I think you have to have the physique of like the rock to be able to pull off a tank top. I I think my wife, or you have to be incredibly thin, like lanky thin. Does
0: your wife find you attractive in a Jersey?
1: I don't think I've ever worn a jersey around her.
0: You have homework to do now before the next episode. <laughs>
1: but the, anyway, just, so here's my just, other jersey. Just jer- walk out of the bathroom wearing nothing but a jersey. Here's my other jersey, my other jersey foul thing. And you see, I see it a lot on, like, I when I was a kid, I wanted, I mean, I wanted the jersey to look as close to authentic as possible, you yeah. know, not the, you know, I couldn't afford authentic jerseys. So Very I bought, you can. bought the replicas. Yeah. But, like, if you, but you want to, if you spruce it up, You want it to be authentic. So, for example, I have seen people at Bridgestone Arena, when people could congregate, I have seen people at Bridgestone Arena wearing the current style Predator sweater, the one they unveiled a couple of years ago.
0: The Adidas version. The
1: Adidas version. Right. With the Stanley Cup final patch on it. That is a big no-no.
0: Really? Yes. So I have one of those patches.
1: Right. But the Predators did not wear that jersey. right? I have the Reebok jersey. Yes. The Predators did not wear that jersey in the Stanley Cup final. It is a big no no. The other thing I've I, seen that a lot. The other thing I don't like is when a when a fan wears a style of jersey that the player on the back never wore. I think the one i've seen the one I saw a lot of during my I, time here, I follow you is. Do you remember the Predators Navy jersey, the alternate jersey? With the it
0: was only two colors. It was all navy and then white. Yeah. Those and are... It
1: had like the, the checkered flag trim yep. on the bottom. I really
0: like that one because it didn't have any of the other colors. Right. It was a it, simpler, it was, cleaner it was look. Navy and black.
1: Yeah. I used to see a gentleman at Bridgestone Arena who had that jersey and it said James and it was James Neal, eighteen. Yeah. James I mean, Neal never wore that jersey, so don't do it yourself.
0: So so no Renes in mustard.
1: No, did he wear the mustard? Uh,
0: maybe he did. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. That's the ugliest jersey. I know some people love it. Some That's, people love the the players
1: who wore it hated it. It's it's
0: it, it was it's like what belongs on a turkey sandwich.
1: I did a I did a fun story during the pause where I talked to five former Predators players. I think it it was Kimo Timonen and JP Dumont, um, Scott Hartnell, Chris Mason, so a bunch and, of guys who live in Nashville and Jordan Tutu. <laughs> And, I, and like one of the questions I asked was about the mustard sweaters, and oh, they, they hated them because they were really heavy, and they got really hot.
0: But So it had nothing they, to do with the look.
1: They, well, that's Tiemann, fascinating. Tiemann, I think it was Kimo Tiemann who said he hated the color. Was, but he, they won a lot in it. Yeah, like They true. had a really good record in it.
0: I really enjoyed that um, the old school Dark Navy throwback that you're talking about. That was you know, I don't want to see it a lot, but well, like that, I enjoyed that That is
1: one. when every team decided that they were going to have laces on the collar. Yeah. Uh, you know, now, now teams have like, faux laces on
0: the collar. I, I will say that you go back and look at those original ones with like the silver and the four different colors of orange and yellow, and you're just going, oh, my God. Like What were we thinking? I, I think they've done a brilliant job with the renovations over the years of, of where they're at now. I think simplifying it makes it look better. Yeah, the problem with the know.
1: jersey they wore when they made the cup final It was, it was too busy. Yep. Too many. It looked like the Miami hurricanes. Too much pipe, too much, too much piping, too much piping, too much weird striping. (laughs) Their, their current sweaters are much cleaner.
0: I I totally agree. Now I'm off my soapbox. Okay. Are you done? Yes. All right. Sit back and relax. Uh, So 13 million, we don't expect a whole lot of, of movement there. We, we're going a little long here, but I guess final thoughts, when you saw the Craig Smith contract, my first thought was, sure would be nice for $3.1 million to have a 31-year-old goal scorer on the left wing of the second line. I, I looked at that contract. I don't know if it was the third year that did it for the Preds that said no. I, I don't know. Just just your thoughts in general, Adam, when you saw the Craig Smith three-year $3.1 million average annual value deal announced.
1: Well, I thought it was a great fit. Like I think Boston is like the perfect place for him and now he's going to have even more opportunity. He's going to sort 30 goals. <laughs> so he, now he's going to have more opportunity because David Pasternak and Brad Marchand are going to be out for at least the beginning of the season. They're both undergoing, they both underwent off season surgery and they may not be ready for the beginning of the season if it starts in January. So now he'll have better opportunity with someone like Patrice Bergeron. Hello. Like he never had that talent. Um, But I liked I mean Craig Smith never had that talent No no I know, I know what you meant um, I know what you meant I think th- the issue is Is that Craig Smith Wanted three years That was their goal My understanding is that The Predators never offered him Three years Okay So that's I don't know what the money They might have offered They weren't willing to go up to three years
0: Should the Predators Gone up to three years No Okay well, Then everybody won Boston wins Craig Smith wins Craig Predators Smith win. would have
1: been perfect On a two year contract yeah i agree with that too but
0: that all right me. anything else you'd like to to discuss fashionable fashion wise <laughs> jerseys salary caps no people's personal demons you know just we, a bunch of lighthearted stuff
1: we have covered it all today all right, a wide man. range of topics
0: make sure you subscribe to the athletic pay for really good journalism they deserve it adam deserves it he gives you the best coverage in the market um Theathletic.com is the website. Subscribe. You can follow him on Twitter. Where can people follow you, Adam? At Adam Vingen. There you have it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me, of course, at Braden Gall. Please rate and review and share the show so everybody knows about this amazing, spectacular podcast that we're doing here. Uh, We don't think you need to go anywhere else to get any better Preds coverage than you're getting right here from Adam and myself. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.